watch it like destroy my bandwidth or something. <laughs> I have a pretty competent streaming thing. Oh, great. This is already going to require editing because I've spoken over it. All right. What's he always say? I don't know. Say it, you say it your way. <laughs> say it my way. All right. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Big Trouble in Little Podcast, episode 145. I'm Andy. No, I'm Zach. And Dubs is missing this week. He's he's off doing, I don't know, something hilarious. I, I forgot that I needed to have some kind of a gag for him. Uh, what's in the news right his, now? He's getting his tires rotated. He's getting a Johnson & Johnson vaccine. That's he's right, he is. Yeah, he got one of them Johnson & Johnson's <laughs> and they, they recalled him. He's suing him right now as we speak. <laughs> it's funny because of how unlikely it would be that he would ever have that. But anyway... Um, <laughs> We, uh, we're going a little bit off the script. We were supposed to be talking about Batman and Robin this week, but Dubs is indisposed, so we pulled an audible and we watched instead Batman Mask of the Phantasm from 1993. Uh, arguably one of the best Batman movies ever, if not the best. Kind of depends on who you ask, I guess. I think so. I think so as well. I guess kind of uh, burying the lead there, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's let's start the way we always do. Uh, what have you been watching, playing, doing, reading, listening to? Okay, uh, I've been playing uh, some more Dreamcast stuff. Still mostly playing Soul Calibur, and um, oh yeah, I beat Streets of Rage four. I didn't get to say that last time because I wasn't able to be on the show. I saw again. It on the accelerated gamer thing that you had done that. Is it is it good? Like it's good, right? I want it to yeah. be great. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it, it's kind of weird. Like, three had three didn't have as good music, and that gets into like a whole other deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but like the mechanics of it were like a lot better. There was a lot more depth to the fighting. So this game kind of takes a step back from that mechanically, and it's got good aesthetic like i kind of wish they did sprites or something i i, I get that's hard whatever yeah, like, the game does look pretty i'll give it that but it just didn't look streets of rage to me it, no not really and the music is another sticking point with me is like it's good but it doesn't feel it doesn't really feel like streets of rage enough to me yeah. should have done some chip tunes but um what else have I been playing? I've been working on some old computers and stuff, and I've been putting together a 98 machine, and I started dual booting into DOS and installing stuff on that. <laughs> so I've just been tooling around on, like, a bunch of old Apogee games because I have, like, a... I have a physical copy of Duke Nukem 3D, and it has, like, a bunch of their old games on there for, like, bonuses. So I've been playing, like, Duke Nukem 1 and 2 and... <laughs> Rise of the Triad, stuff like that. I, that's a game I always associate with MAGFest, because it's always on one of the computers in the museum. Yeah, that and uh, Quake, and um, I think Quake 2. <laughs> Doom, you know. Uh, I haven't really been watching much stuff, though, lately, and I've been reading. I've mostly been reading, like, this collected uh, Black Widow volume. It's, like, all from her original appearance up to, like, 1973. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's weird because at first she's like, it's very much like, oh, she's a Russian spy girl and she looks nothing at all like what she ends up later or even has that kind of a skill set at first. Huh. 
and she it's like she's just like that stereotypical femme fatale thing from like the 50s or something and um slowly over time she kind of develops into like what we know her as today so yeah it's pretty cool though and uh that, that's pretty much all i've been doing I, uh, I've been playing a lot of Earthbound. I've been streaming it actually right here if you're seeing this live. But if you're not, uh, twitch.tv slash the cliche mustache. I'm, I believe, at the halfway point. At least I've got half of the the big... It's hard to describe. Earthbound's weird. Earthbound's super weird, but I think I'm halfway. <laughs> uh, I watched a bunch of movies. I watched uh, Maul Rainey's Black Bottom. It's on Netflix, and it's really good. It's kind of about... Um, it's about black music in, I think it's the 20s. It's like 1927 or something. And they're like on tour in the South, but they're in Chicago temporarily to record an album. And it's based, I think, partially on truth, but also they uh, elaborate a little bit. It's a really good movie. It was the last movie that uh, Chadwick Boseman was ever in. I was trying to remember his name. It was the last thing he oh. ever was in. And uh, he's like the best part of that movie. So it, it's really good. It's on Netflix. It's worth watching, especially if you're interested in like, uh, like when they had just started to record blues music back in the twenties and stuff. Mm. Uh, then I watched. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It was pretty popular a couple of years ago. It came out on, in 2019. I think it was also a Netflix produced movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, it's it's a weird movie. It's about a. This woman's a nursing assistant, and her house is broken into, and it's basically just um, one thing after another of she wants to get her stuff back, and everyone in the world is, like, a complete douchebag, and it ends up being, like, a revenge thriller. It's real violent, but it's also very darkly comedic. Uh, It's got Frodo Baggins in it, Elijah Wood is in it, and he's awesome, and he has a dog named Kevin. It's it's great. It's the it's the best movie I watched this week. I recommend it above all else. And I also uh, rewatched Apocalypto. Uh, we were <laughs> we were just like flipping through movies, and it was there. My girlfriend was like, "What's this about?" And I was like, "Well, I guess it's about two guys that are kidnapped by the Aztec Empire, and or some guys, and one of them escapes or something. I can't remember. I saw it in college." And she's like, let's watch this. And I don't, if you've ever seen that movie, you know that it's fucking crazy. Yeah, I know it's crazy, but I, I've never seen it. I just oh, know about it. its, it's really reputation. Good. It's not <laughs> fair because Mel Gibson made that movie right after Passion of the Christ, and everyone's like, this guy's a fucking whack job. I'm not going to see his movies. Apocalypto is so good, though. And there's some stuff in it that has, there's like some puppet work that hasn't aged well at all. Oh. It's, it's really cool because it's. Uh, they do their best to recreate the language as best as we know it now because, of course, their society was like completely wiped out by the Spanish. They just assimilated them t- entirely, and, and, and most of this is gone. But it hmm. is, is a very interesting movie. It's it's a it's I, I would almost say it's a must watch because there's nothing else like it. Like you can't be like I like movies like Apocalypto. No, you just like <laughs> Apocalypto. That's it. That's that's the only one. <laughs> And I also, uh, I've been watching a six hour, I'm not done with it yet, a six hour video on YouTube of Tim Rogers talking about Tokimeki Memorial, which is a dating sim Konami put out in the mid 90s, originally for the TurboGrafx 16, and then it was ported to the 
Super Famicom, and then a much better version with voice acting came out for the PlayStation and the Saturn, and later Game Boy, Color, PSP, Vita, a, b- a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Apparently it's famous in Japan. I didn't know squat about it, but apparently it's like this huge gaming cultural touchstone only in Japan because it's never been translated in any other language because I guess the dialogue would take up the whole, you know, parking lot of the Library of Congress or you know, something, <laughs> something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, as always, he's hilarious. It's later on in season one, and he's already reviewed Doom, but for some reason now he punctuates every joke with Doom sound effects, like constantly, just all the time. Like, the, the, the girl's face on the screen will change from like happy to sad or sad to ecstatic or blush or something and every time it, it makes the shotgun sound effect from doom for no reason it's just that's that's, okay. that's his comedic timing now and it, it's great it's wonderful all of his videos are fantastic again six hours about a dating sim that never made it out of japan i wouldn't recommend starting there watch his video about doom or Final Fantasy VII Remake. That was episode one, season one. That's probably the best place to start. But the Doom one is probably my favorite one so far. There was also one about Last of Us that I had to skip because I haven't played that game yet. Oh. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, I meant to play uh, Pac-Man 99 came out. This is a little bit of news for later. Pac-Man 99 came out. I downloaded it. Haven't played it yet. Hmm. Ton of games are on sale right now. If you're listening to this the first couple of days it comes out, though, I think it's some kind of banking holiday in Japan. I'm not sure. It's not Golden Week, so I don't know what it is. But um, I bought, like, three games because they were all 70% off or something. I got Doom 2 and Namco Museum and something else. And didn't play any of them. So how do you like that? <laughs> Welcome to being a game collector. You'll buy games and never play them. These are digital, though, so... <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about Batman. You want to talk about Batman? I want to talk about Batman. Dying all week to talk about Batman. Yeah. Um, so, you're Mr. Batman. You tell me. It's 1993. Um, it's December 25th, 1993 to be exact. Really? Yeah. This uh, this movie's... Its whole production is like interesting. Because like, at first... like I don't know how much you know about like how they produced the show. I know it was but, drawn on black paper. <laughs> okay, so I I didn't actually know this at all until I like dug further in, but like apparently what they would do is they'd write the script and stuff and then they would send it to uh this studio in Korea that would animate it. Hmm. And um I thought guys just drew it here, but no, it was always drawn in Korea. Then they'd send it back all all the stuff that was drawn and animated. And then they'd be like, okay, this is what we got back. And then they would just put it together there a- after that. I think that was common for that period. I think most shows were made in... I, I think I vaguely remember there's like a joke in Animaniacs or Tiny Toons or Freakazoid or something about it being made in Korea that I remember seeing as a kid and like it always stuck with me. Huh. I, I guess I just didn't... I missed that episode or something. I think there's something. a joke in The Simpsons about <laughs> it too, come to think of it. <laughs> Pretty sure. Well, we just came out of the... We just came out of the animation ghetto, so it's like <laughs> we don't have like a lot of animation studios here. Yeah. But um, like originally, this was they had this whole other plan for like a, a movie, uh, and it was gonna be like they were gonna Batman was gonna get there was gonna be a riot in Arkham Asylum, and they were gonna capture Batman and like tie him up and put him on trial. 
So like all the bad guys would like show him like you made us this way. This is your fault. Those ideas get reused in other places, right? Yeah. It gets reused in an episode called Trial that yeah. actually aired on TV after this movie came out. Okay. <laughs> it's because they were like, no, this this idea is like, it's, they said it was too brainy for like a movie. And um, at least I guess for their target audience maybe and whatever. As we yeah. see, this movie is brainy in its own ways. For yeah, sure. it still is. It's they We're talking about Batman and Batman. We're talking about Batman the Animated Series. It it goes above and beyond for like a children's show. Very much so. I, I I mean, for my money, of all the animated superhero shows from when we were kids, this one has far and away aged the most gracefully. It really has. Like, like X Men's cool. X Men was fine. Super or Spider Man was fine. None of them. Like I can sit down and watch Batman right now and be entertained. Justice League's pretty good too. Yeah, the, the original League. run. Justice League almost didn't come out when I was a little kid, though. Like I was kind of like, we were yeah. middle school at that point, I think, when it came out. Um, but yeah, they, they scratched that idea and they come up with the plot for this. And originally, they were like, "No, we're going to make it like a two or three parter on the show." They're like, "No, we're going to make it a movie." <laughs> okay, and it's like it's going to be direct to video, and then. All of a sudden, like in the beginning of 1993, like before productions even finished, they're like, no, it's going to have a theatrical release. And they just blindsided the studio. They're like, what? And it's December 25th. It's coming out on Christmas. It's so short, though, for a theatrical movie. 74 minutes. 70, yeah, it's it's so barely a movie. I know. it's, It's, yeah. I... I never could figure this out. Why do people keep releasing movies on Christmas? Is there, is there, do you it, know it something makes, about that? It, I do kind of, but only in so much that I know that it makes a lot of money. That's, that's just a huge, I, this isn't a tradition in my family and none of my extended family, but I guess it's Me a either. big tradition for lots of American families to see movies on Christmas. I guess <laughs> you get up in the morning, you open what Santa brought you, you, you know, visit with family, get, whatever go see a movie and then you come home and have christmas dinner or you have christmas dinner then you go to a movie i i guess that's a thing in in a lot of america but i i know that movies make a ton of money on christmas day i know there's a lot of companies that always really push their tentpole projects to come out either in the middle of summer or right smack dab on christmas i never could figure that out i guess just i'm not part of that me and my family and everybody I ever knew are not part of that audience, I guess. Me, like, I didn't even have friends that really did it. I have since, I've talked to people, they're like, yeah, well, we go, we see movies on Christmas sometimes, but I, I don't talk to anyone who's like, yeah, every year. Yeah. But uh, apparently, so, apparently makes a lot of money. I, also, around Christmas, lots of people are taking vacation so they can go see movies. That's true. Um, kids are out of school. And... This, uh... I guess because of the suddenness of them deciding, okay, this is going to get a theatrical release, it didn't give them a lot of time to uh, produce publicity for it. And I'm not sure about this, but I do think somehow the Christmas release did kind of play into them not making as much money um, that time. <laughs> and it 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 bombed. Uh, it made like $5.8 million and the budget was six, But... When it went to home to video, then it was po- it was profitable, and then they made a bunch of money. It aired on television a lot, I remember. 
Yeah, they'd air it once in a while. I think it aired on Fox a couple times, and then like when Cartoon Network got a hold of that stuff, they'd air it once in a while as a special. And then they followed this up with the two other movies, Sub Zero, and The Mystery of the Batwoman. Oh yeah, which I always forget about that one. That one's just eh, but it has one of my favorite moments in any of these shows or anything, or just a Batman moment in general, which is like, I'll say it real quick. He's like sneaking around this building. He's trying to like break into this room or something to get some stuff because he's doing Batman things. Mm. And there's two guys. There's like guards there, just these big bouncer looking dudes. And then like one of them hears a noise and goes in that room. And then he opens the door and he sees Batman there. And he, they just look at each other for a minute. And then he shuts the door and goes back outside. <laughs> and then he's like, "What was that?" And he's like, "Oh no, it was nothing. Come on." <laughs> I always love that. Um, but yeah, this whole movie's plot is more centered around, um, Bruce Wayne and his life and kind of like that lost love kind of thing. It's kind of funny because more than like any other Batman movie too. That's why this one always stands out to me is with the possible exception of Batman 1989, but even then I don't think so. Batman's never the most interesting character in his own movie. It's right. always the villains. The villains are always more interesting. And Mask mm-hmm. of the Phantasm is like the one time when the most interesting stuff going on is all centered directly on Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Like the, the villain, the Phantasm, is interesting. They never even call call the villain that, do they? No, it never. I think on the paper, somebody's holding a paper, there's a headline that says Phantasm, but nobody ever says that. It just looks like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, much, with like a and that's weird what people, spike hand. That's what people say too. That's some kind of Grim Reaper yeah. thing. And it looks um, like passively like Batman, but the, it doesn't matter. The villain barely matters, and the Joker's in it, and he's wonderful as always because he's Mark Hamill Joker. He's like the best one ever. But he doesn't even turn much. up to like halfway into the movie. Nope. Yeah, and like that was another thing too. Like during production, they were kind of fighting with studio about that. They're like. We want the Joker to be in it. And then they're like, well, we don't want him to be like a major part of the story. And it's like, okay, fine, I guess. I was like, put hard. Like, I can almost do without the Joker, sort of, except he has some of the best moments in the movie. So, Plus, this kind of does. I like this because it kind of fleshes out his backstory a little bit for the animated universe, too. Because yeah. when you learn, oh, he worked. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but he works for like one of the mob boss people uh, that's involved in this whole plot. And apparently he used to just be a hitman. He just used to be some <laughs> goon. Yeah. So what happened to that guy? Yeah, which is similar <laughs> to the Tim Burton Batman, sort of. It kind of is, yeah. I mean, this show shares some qualities with that movie. You know, I like those... this better, though. Like, I realize that as far as a self-contained story goes, it's more poetic to have him be the guy who shot Bruce Wayne's parents as he is in the original Batman. But as far as a grander like the actual series goes i don't like that it's it needs to be more complex than that and it is here they like it was always more fun to have him be a mystery but he still is they don't name him he all we know is that he was just some asshole who worked for the mob they never even really say his name is jack napier ever in the series i think except like one time do they one one time it comes up yeah but uh yeah, it starts out, and there, there's, like, these guys doing a, a deal or something. They're talking about counterfeit bills or whatever. 
And then Batman shows up and he beats all her asses. And one of the, the main guy with the money gets away and he's trying to drive away. That's when the phantasm shows up in the garage. And it's like from far away, it's like, oh, Batman, what? And there's like fog and stuff. It's just a guy in a cape and it's, it's a silhouette. It's, it could be Batman, maybe. maybe. <laughs> but he starts, the phantasm approaches him. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm here to make you pay for your sins. And tries he tries to like run away. I think, you know, he tries to shoot the phantasm first. And it's just, he misses every shot somehow. Yeah, the phantasm it, has a bunch of like ill-defined powers that they never yeah. explain. It can teleport, and it's bulletproof, maybe, and some other stuff. I like to think it was just like tricks. Yeah, like it was. It was just like oh, I have like this chemical compound that makes this crazy fog, and I'm just kind of dodging. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but I, I think that all the time too. When I watch it, I'm like, how's how's how are they doing that? Like, um, but he tries to drive away and stuff, and. The phantasm, the phantasm is able to lure him into driving out of the parking garage <laughs> into another building and dying. <laughs> Which and then they blame it on Batman. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I forgot about that. I was like, shit, he drives into another building. <laughs> now, obviously, there's going to be a ton of spoilers for this. I mean, anyone who... This is episode 145. You guys know the rules. We're going to talk about the whole movie here. So I'm going to stop yeah. saying like it and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, the phantasm is uh, the love interest in the movie, uh, Andrea Beaumont. Andrea Beaumont. I knew it was Beaumont. Yeah. They call her Andy sometimes, and that that's off-putting to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they they kind of do this flashback thing after a while. Like Bruce Wayne's at a party, and then they introduce like one of the side characters, that guy who's like um, he's some kind of like city official. Councilman. Councilman. Yeah. And uh, he's holding a party at his house. There's girls acting all silly. And they're like, oh, marry me. Blah, blah. He's like, oh, I don't know. The councilman is voiced by, um, what was that guy's name? In Die Hard, the one who starts to work with Hans. Hans, Bubby. Bubby, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, he's voiced by that guy. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. <laughs> I like that better now. Um he runs into that guy though. And then like, I guess they kind of had a little bit of a history before because he brings up, Hey, what happened to Andrea? Why are you going out with all these girls that, you know, you're not going to end up in a long-term relationship with. He says it's almost as if you choose the women that, you know, it won't work out with. Yeah. Basically seeing through Bruce's ruse without seeing there's without realizing there's a ruse to have seen through. Yeah. He's kind of like, looks at him. He gives him a look and he's like, thanks for the handkerchief dude or whatever he just no, walks he away says, thanks for the handkerchief you know where you can stick it and oh that's right yeah he's, you he's know where you can stick line. it i like that a lot yeah they get they get a bunch of little subtle things across in like the animation like he gives him this look as he's saying that he's like rubbing his face and he's like god man you're a fucking bastard there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot in this movie the people who um designed the look of this movie watched a lot of noir there's a like when when Andrea is speaking for the first time, it's just a close up of her mouth and the mouthpiece for the phone. That's like a classic '40s noir kind of shot. And yeah, and Batman the animated series always had a lot of, to in common with noir anyway. But this movie especially, not just that, mm-hmm. but there's like a lot of dialogue that's written that I can hear in like a, in Philip Marlowe's voice 
or something like that. I like um, she's she's talking to him and she's like, uh, we met three days ago and you still haven't called me. And he's like, so all the men you meet call you? And she's like, well, the ones that can work a phone. Like, it's like a backwards, <laughs> like, insult, but she's here to, like, hit on him and Hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> How about you leave? <laughs> uh, but uh, he has like a, he kind of gets bummed out and walks into his, his den or whatever you want to call that. Who knows if he's ever been in that room before. Um, <laughs> he sees like his portrait of his parents. He starts flashing back. He starts flashing back like to when he's, he's a young and Bruce Wayne and he's, he's just now trying to get ready to do Batman stuff. He's in college at the time. Yeah. Right, and it, it this they don't really say this, but it's pretty much implied at this point he's already traveled the world a bunch and did some shit. Yeah, he knows martial arts, we know that, and he's already, mm-hmm. like, trying to be a vigilante. He just hasn't come up with the whole, I'll be a weirdo in a bat costume yet. Right, like, they kind of meet at the cemetery, because he's there, I guess, visiting his parents' grave, and then he overhears her talking or something, mm-hmm. and that, that's how they meet. Uh, she's talking to her her mother, who's like a few plots away or something. It was always weird to me that he's like, "What are you doing?" Like I thought that was a common thing. I thought people talk to graves sometimes. I don't know. Maybe he just thought he was the only one that did that. He does. I mean, during the movie, that, I found, I found that interesting too because initially he isn't really talking to the grave. He like kind of talks to himself a little bit, but then later in the movie, there's another flashback when he's in the rain and he does talk to his parents and it's like, he picked it up from, from her. Oh, I can, I can talk to the grave and it's kind of like, I'm talking to them and it's, it's not for them. It's for you. It's for him. Cause they're dead. So I, I sort of took that as he was just trying like he was almost embarrassed and he would just try to play it off. Like, no, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm too cool to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't talk to his graves. Do that. I'm not some weird girl like you are. <laughs> But uh, they they kind of meet, then she leaves, and then sort of, you know, invites him to, like, hey, you know, get a hold of me sometime or whatever. Bye. And just drives off. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to do his first vigilante action. You know, th- there's something, again, this movie has a lot of, this time watching it, I noticed a lot that I'd never noticed before. In the past, I've always said I really like this movie, but I didn't think it was good as everyone thought it was. This last viewing, I'm like, holy shit, this movie's great. There's There's little things... She's talking to him at, when they're leaving the graveyard, and she's about to get in her car, and she reaches out and straightens his collar because he's got it turned up like like a weirdo. <laughs> he's like he's Batman and he's brooding and stuff, and she reaches down and flattens the collar for him, which has like so many possible. It's like uh, like he's got it up, like he's he's concealing himself or something and she flattens it kind of like domesticating him like you know taking him away from being a brooding weirdo and taking him back toward you know being a more of a normal person and also it's a subtle thing because she she touches him on the shoulder and that's like you know pretty much anyone who's ever tried to like hit on women in high school or something you know that like if you if someone touches your shoulder that's like a um a subliminal like oh they they like you they, they they touched you or something like that so it's that too it's like she reaches out and touches both of his shoulders oh she's got a thing for him immediately she thinks he's he's cute or whatever yeah so like i mean just just in those few frames of animation all that occurs they do all of that this movie's 75 yep. minutes long and it still manages to say 
almost as much as like any of the Christopher Nolan movies do. A, a lot of that kind of stuff happens throughout this whole movie. Yes, constantly. Um, yeah, you gotta pay attention. Um, you might not but, have noticed it, but your brain did. That's right. <laughs> uh, he goes on his first vigilante action, and this kind of stuff up from this point on up to about the end of this flashback sequence is stuff that's pretty much taken straight from year one. Yes. Uh, Cause he's like in year one, he, he does the same kind of deal. He like dresses up in like a ski mask and like stuff. And he just goes out and he fights guys. And he's like, this isn't working. Ugh. Like he manages to foil the plan pretty much, he, but it's a little messy. Yeah. That's not great. And, the whole- and they don't take, they don't take him seriously either because he comes out doing like kung fu noises. <laughs> yeah, he like jumps off the building. He's like, yeah. He got rid of that. That's gone. <laughs> He's like, who is this guy? Come on, let's beat his ass. Like, it's just that. But uh, right after that, he's doing like the. He's practicing jujitsu in his yard the next morning. Also happens straight from year one. And he's like, trying to. He, he even says the same kind of stuff. He's like, I got to figure out how to make them scared of me right, right when they see me. This isn't working. There's got to be some way. And then Andrea shows back up, and they have, like, another little fun exchange. Yeah, that's the, you know, men who know how to operate phones conversation. And then she Judy throws him. The, to what? the first instance also of a recurring joke where Alfred is bringing them coffee or lemonade or whatever, and they're, like, getting hot and heavy, and he's like, oh, okay, never mind. And he just, like, leaves. <laughs> I'll just take this. <laughs> Uh, this is that an per- Alfred heavy story too. Actually, Alfred turns up tons. Yeah, he's he's in it uh, quite a bit. He lends his his two cents and his advice, which is good. At least he's not telling like these long drawn out stories. Of, like when I was in Burma, I went and I, <laughs> there were jewel thieves. And <laughs> like, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> I like uh, we've already passed it, but uh, there's I can't remember what happens exactly. I think. The councilman is like, we gotta get Batman. That's that's the other stories. The councilman's like, Batman murdered this mobster with his car because they're mistaking Batman for the Phantasm. We gotta get Batman. Cops, we're we're all gonna get Batman. We're getting Batman now. And they're talking about how crazy Batman is. And Batman's like, I'm not fucking crazy. And then Alfred like walks up behind him. He's like, I pressed your tights and I put away your gas balls, sir. <laughs> it's like, it makes him sound crazy. <laughs> The thing is, he kind of like he kind of goes with it. He's like, "Thanks, Alfred." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm the picture of sanity. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, the councilman's trying to like stir all the police up into getting Batman, and Commissioner Gordon wants no part of it. In fact, that's pretty much happening. He's like, "I'll have none of it," and he just walks out of the movie. You never see him again. Yeah, that's weird. It's just after that, it's Bullock. Which also, uh, I like in the flashback. You see young Bullock as a patrolman. That's cool. Yeah, I always like that too. Uh, he, he was in, yeah, he was in the flashback sequence where he was stopping his first crime. Um, let's see what happens after that. We don't have to, we don't have to recount the whole movie tit for tat, obviously. I mean, just go see this movie if you haven't. I think you can rent it for like a couple bucks. It's on HBO Max. It's on DVD and Blue right now. I mean, seriously, just watch it. If you're listening to us talk, spoil it. What's wrong with you? Um, yeah, if you, if you ever like the show, just buy it. I'm sure the Blu-ray is freaking dirt cheap. In fact, it's available from the Warner Archives, and they either just had or are still having a sale, four for 44. And they have a ton of great movies on there, so make that one of the four. Um, the whole thing, there's later on, after Batman figures out he's going to be Batman, 
he's getting chased. Or no, this is this is in present day. The cops are trying to get Batman, and there's the whole thing where he's on the construction site. That's also is that out of year one? What is that from? Yeah, there's there's a sequence. Uh, like it's not while he's Batman. It's like something else is happening. He gets caught up in something while he's in he's in civilian garb, and the cop they don't, the cops don't know who that is, or, or I can't remember if it's mob or it's cops, and they. They confuse him with somebody else, and they start trying to kill him, and he gets he gets kind of fucked up during the chase sequence. Okay. Pretty gripping chase sequence. He almost doesn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> in this movie, it's like one of the most tense things to happen to Batman in the entire animated series. It really is. Because like, you never really see him get... ...to lose his mask, so then he's just trying to get away without a mask on, which is, you know, really tense, and he manages to get away. Yep. Um, uh, there's also the plot that's going on where like the phantasm's killing all these mob bosses. This kind of leads out how into like how the Joker comes into the story. Because just some jerk. He was a jerk that killed uh, her father. <laughs> so right. it's implied that it's him directly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, it shows that flashback where she's, like, going home somewhere in the Mediterranean, and right, he, that he's guy, he, yeah. he just walks out. doesn't even say a word to her. And then she goes in, and it's like, ah! <laughs> kind of a classic uh, ma- mafia movie kind of scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Joker gets dragged into it. Uh, Celestro, I think, was the guy, the old gangster who keeps needing the oxygen because he's decrepit at this point. Voiced by Abe Vigoda, of all people. That's right. He tries to hire the Joker with like a bunch of money to get rid of Batman because he thinks Batman's killed everybody. So is the press. So does the people. <laughs> Which leads to even more. So many characters have so many great moments in this. Uh, he, he smiles and the Joker's like, that's what I want to see. A big smile on your happy face. Which leads into, he kills him, of course, with the, the big creepy smile. Yep. <laughs> Phantasm goes to her the, his uh, place, and then it's a trap, and he almost gets gets Phantasm, but not quite. But, the, but Joker figures out. He's the one that figures out, oh, it's not Batman. It's somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm. He gets that this, wonderful review or reveal when he turns up to Councilman Whatever's place. <laughs> I love that doorway, and it, the camera zooms in on his face before like lighting it again. That's straight out of classic Hollywood. That's like, that's like uh, uh, John Wayne in Stagecoach. That's that's what happens in that movie. It's, it's so cool. Yeah, I like uh, I like that scene there too, where he kind of gets into. Uh, is that guy's name Archie? Maybe. I think it is. I feel Arthur, Arthur. called him Archie. That right. What the fuck. Yeah, he, call, he calls him Art, Artie. That's what made me think of Archie. Because uh, he worked for uh, Andrea's dad, too. He was like a, uh, some kind of bookkeeper or something, an accountant or whatever. And it's revealed like, oh, I, I sold him out to the mafia people because he wouldn't give me any money. For my election campaign. Right. Because <laughs> Joker, I guess, gives him some smile X, and he's like laid up in the hospital, and Batman goes and interrogates him and finds that out. You know, uh, that scene is also really good because I was really impressed with his job voice acting there. That sounds exhausting. I love love that scene because he, like, Batman shows up in the window and he's like, oh, no! He's, like, (laughs) laughing while he says, oh, no. 
<laughs> it always gets me. Um, like, and that that pretty much leads to the climax of the movie because he figures out, like, hang on, there's some kind of connection here. He goes back to Andrea's apartment, her hotel room, something. And he, he kind of puts it all together. He's like, oh, she's a phantasm. And he's dead. And I need to go find <laughs> find her. And it's at the um, the Gotham uh, Fair. The, the Gotham the, World's Fair. Which the World's Fair. Used to be a thing. It was like a, a, you know, there's the New York World's Fair, Chicago World's Fair. And it was like they showed off, oh, this is what the future will be like. It's going to kick ass. Yeah, that classic... Uh, they do that thing a lot. Like, I, is that ever still a thing or not? No, not anymore. Yeah, like, it used to be a big thing, like, f- f- decades ago. I think the last World's Fair was in Knoxville, maybe, with the Sun Sphere. Oh, man. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> uh, but I like this because it's like earlier in the movie, they go on a date to the, the World's Fair. And it's really cool, and it's full of promise and stuff, and hope for the future. And then he sees the car of the future, and it looks vaguely like the Batmobile. <laughs> and, he's, and she's like, "What are you looking at?" He's like, "Nothing." He's, I'm looking he's at thinking the about future. the future. <laughs> but then, like now, it's all run down and like destroyed. It's just like their their personal lives. Oh, symbolism. The Joker's personal lives destroyed too, but he doesn't care. He thinks it's awesome. He thinks it's hilarious. He's living. <laughs> he lives in it. What does that say? <laughs> I still laugh out loud every time he gets there with uh, Sinestro without Abe Vigoda and the stupid little robot dogs bark and he's like down Rusty and then he kicks it across the room <laughs> you can't be too careful with all the weirdos around here <laughs> he's like looking directly at the camera when he says that <laughs> like his dialogue throughout the entire scene is great I also really like um, Sinestro says something that pisses him off and he gets really angry and the background goes red to show like how angry he is because uh, Sinestro has touched him, and he goes, "Don't touch me, old man! I don't know where you've been." Like immediately, like regains his composure. <laughs> yeah, Mark Hale's Joker is the one that like it's everything rolled into one. Yeah. He's like goofy, comedic, but he's also like he can flip a switch and be like super scary, terrifying. terrifying. Yeah, he, he'll like joke around a lot. He also sets up goofy, crazy traps and then scary death traps. He's kind of a gangster. He's got goons. Sometimes he dresses goons up as clowns. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes he's got a couple hyenas hanging around. Why not? Those are Harley's hyenas. That's true, I guess. <laughs> no Harley in this movie either. I was surprised by that. Had she been introduced? She hadn't been yet. That's season two, right? Where she no, was... she was. Had she uh, been? Is that in season one? Yeah, it was like a few episodes in. Like, it's in the first ten or something okay. she shows she's, up. She's like his psychiatrist or whatever. But or no, 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 no. She's uh, it's like the you remember the episode where it's like Commissioner Gordon's birthday or something, and uh, Joker just crashes it. it it's that guy. Remember the, the guy that owes him a favor because he run he tries to run him off the road. Yes, no, that's one of my favorite episodes <laughs> in the entire series. That's the first episode she shows up and she's just like Is one it? of his accomplices. Okay. Yeah, and then I don't think she has a name at first. She's just dressed up as like gesture and stuff. I keep imagining why. There's an episode that's like kind. It must be about her backstory or something. She's a doctor, and her name is like Doctor Harleen Quinzel. Yeah, that's it. And then he comments like, "Oh, it's almost like this or something." 
It's. I think that's in a later. That's in a later season. Okay. It's like in like the the last one, I think. Okay. I I didn't know she just turned up as just like a background. Like I'm just I'm just a henchman. Yeah, everybody, everybody liked that character, and it just kind of snowballed from there. <laughs> yeah, but no, they they didn't want to put her in the movie either. They was like, no, 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 let's let's not. They wanted Joker to be by himself for this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's better that they didn't complicate it too much. Also, I like the premise that it's like uh, it's in between Joker's big, big schemes, and he's just like laying low, and this is what he's doing. He's just in this abandoned World's Fair, living with like this rusty dog and this this beat up like the the statue or the statue the robot of the woman who just chops nonstop and uses it to cut baloney later <laughs> he ta- talks about like yeah how about we uh see if the old electricity still works huh? <laughs> get some and then like and then the phantasm shows up and it, doesn't that always figure when you're in the mood somebody just shows up mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. um the whole fight happens. It's surprising how well she's able to like fight him. It, it's interesting. I know they established early on she has like, oh, she can judo throw people and stuff. And yeah, she it's knows, like, who? Yeah, she knows a little martial arts, but up until that point, all you've really seen is her just brutally dispatch someone after tricking them. Yeah, it's like she tricks people and gets them to drive out of a parking garage or turns over a giant stone angel edifice onto somebody into an empty grave and that was pretty cool um and i don't know though i mean like i guess you could say it's just like she says if if anybody does anything about revenge bruce it's you because he's like always like you can't do this it's wrong revenge blah blah blah. oh if uh what does she say that she has a really good line when he's in her hotel and she's like oh there's only one of us here who's still controlled by his parents or something and he's just oh, like, oh, damn, he felt that burn. <laughs> but she, you could tell she didn't like saying that because she cried right after. Yeah, <laughs> she, she cried. Um, like, yeah, they fight for a while and then he kind of runs away because that's what Joker does. He's like, I need to go run away and get advantage. And he uses like stuff from the fair to like mess with her. And then Batman appears, stops the fan. Then they fight. Him and Joker fight for a while. It's it's awesome. One of my favorite fights in the entire animated series is when they fight in the model city, and it's kind of like they're kaiju for a second. Oh, it's it's brilliant. <laughs> I think the same thing. Uh, they took that. Uh, they said they took that from like Dick Sprang era Batman stuff, where they're doing silly stuff like, "Oh, I'm fighting you in a giant. We're we're in a tiny city, or somehow we're huge, and I have a flame suit. Just <laughs> that kind of silly stuff." Yeah. Um. There's a lot of uh, the violence level in this movie's turned up though too compared to like how it usually is in the animated series. Mm-hmm. Lots of people get like cut and bleed or they get messed up and they're bleeding and all that. Uh, gets he, a tooth out. <laughs> he gets a tooth knocked out. And you actually see it. He's got blood cut, bored down his face. Uh, and at some point, Joker just says, "Hey, bats! I, this place is gonna blow up in five minutes!" <laughs> and he just runs away. <laughs> I just want. I just gonna blow, and then he puts on like one of those those cool old style. It's like the jetpack that Sean Connery had in uh, <laughs> from Russia with Love. It totally to is. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then he Batman chases him and grabs on. He's like, "What are you doing, you fool? You're gonna get us both killed." He's like, "Whatever it takes." It's like, damn, he's okay. He's ready to like 
I kill them both, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's weird, because Joker even says something like, I'm your only hope of getting out of here. Like, he, for a second, it's like, just quit fighting me, I'll just fly out of here or something. But, you know, that, that's not how that would have gone. Yeah. They both crash land, and they're both, like, spent. They, they pretty much fight to a stalemate. They can barely move anymore. <laughs> and then, uh... Andrea shows back up and grabs Joker, and then the place starts blowing up, and he does, like, the most epic Joker laugh, the Joker I think. Laugh over the explosions. I really yep. love the sound effect they use for explosions in the animated series. It was always really, like, satisfying. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. You can feel the bass, especially if you have, like, a good stereo. Oh, man. Um, he tries to, like, get her to stop or whatever, and... The place collapses and he falls into like a sewer or something from underneath and just gets washed out of a pipe, a drain pipe. And you're just left to like, I guess they died. This is kind of how that ends. But then there's a couple of ending scenes and stuff and Alfred tells him, like, oh, you couldn't have saved her. It didn't matter. Maybe she didn't really want to be saved. Um, and he kind of finds like her locket hanging up in the cave. In the back cave, which is mysterious. Yeah. I guess she's still alive, because then it shows a scene right after she's on a cruise liner leaving Gotham. And there's a really good line again. Uh, yeah. Like, Some guy's going to hit on her, and he's like, oh, do you want to be alone? And she says, I am. <laughs> Damn. And that's it. Uh, this movie's brilliant. It's, uh, it's about Batman instead of about the villains, and it does the coolest thing ever, and that is in the in the in the uh, the recap of, of him becoming Batman, it makes him becoming Batman tragic. Instead it does. Of triumphant. Because in, in every other Batman, it's like, oh, he rises from, his parents are dead, and he rises from that and becomes a symbol. What does Batman represent? That's what Christopher Nolan was always like interested in. What does, mm-hmm. what's, what's Batman all about? But in this, it's, oh, and then he became Batman, which sucks because he lost his chance <laughs> It's there's a scene like when he's pretty much figuring out like I'm getting kind of serious with this girl and he doesn't know what to do and he gets all frustrated so he goes and he visits his family grave again and he's like he's it's raining and he's he's probably been crying and he's like begging them he's like I don't know what to do like please just tell me I could do this and it'll be okay he's saying like I'll donate a bunch of money they can hire more cops. Uh, and, and he, and he not, says, I, I didn't... I, I don't want to break my promise, but I, I I think what he says is, I didn't count on being happy, or something like yeah, that. That's exactly what he says. Whoa. And it's like, damn. And it's it's hilarious coming off of, like, Batman Forever, because essentially, they kind of do the same gimmick there they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Here. But they did it way better in the cartoon movie. <laughs> way better. Leagues better. Yeah, because he does the same thing. He's like, I don't know, this girl makes me, maybe I shouldn't stop being Batman. I don't know. <laughs> Handles it a lot better. I'm tired of being Batman. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think of this movie overall? It's great. Uh, like I said before, everyone was always like, I think this is the best Batman movie, blah, blah, blah. And it always just seemed like a hipster answer. It seemed like, you know, when you ask someone what's your favorite Zelda, they're like Majora's Mask, and you're like, all right, hipster, I get it. <laughs> but, god damn, if it isn't, like, probably the best one. <laughs> Honestly, uh, now, you can obviously it isn't the best. Um, it doesn't have a multi-million dollar budget, clearly. No. It's not, it doesn't have, like, 
uh, A-list stars. It doesn't have uh, uh, I was gonna say an epic soundtrack, but honestly, the soundtrack in this movie does rip. It's great. That, that Shirley Walker operatic score that is the theme to this movie is just excellent. But the rest of it is just like it's just the animated series, which looks great and sounds great, but it doesn't look or sound like a Hollywood movie. But if you just strip all that away and all you have left is the story, I think this is the best Batman movie. Now, now you can say with certainty, this is the best Batman story that has ever been in a movie. And I mean yeah. that as in a story that deals chiefly with Batman, which there are very few of. Obviously, in the last few episodes, that's what we keep talking about. Like, Batman Returns, Batman Forever. It's, these movies aren't about Batman. They're about Batman villains. Batman's just there. Everybody knows who Batman is. Yeah, yeah, but like, <laughs> look at what this story did with his character. We're we're obviously not done telling the Batman story. Yeah, and guess what? It bombed. <sighs> I don't. Know Everyone seems to agree that it's great now. Yeah, I know. Slowly, it's got over time. It's gotten more and more uh, traction. Is like this is great. This is great. Uh, I think for a while, people kind of forgot about it because. Um, it's weird. It's part of the animated series, very much so. Uh, like, it, it has the same aesthetic and everything in place. Because uh, later on, sometimes the animation changes a little bit, and it's like, you, it's still the same stuff, but it doesn't feel the, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't look right. <laughs> this is still part of the overall, what's it called? The Timiverse or whatever. The they call it the Timiverse or, Yeah. There is, I wanted to talk to you about this, and I have no idea why. Um, one of my favorite episodes of any animated show from the Timverse is an episode of Justice League Unlimited, but it's more like an episode of, of, of Batman Beyond. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, it's basically, it's the epilogue to Batman Beyond. If for some reason, it's a Justice League Unlimited story, just because that's, that's what they were telling at the time. And it's, it's the future... And Terry McGinnis is pissed off because he's found evidence. Whatever, that's that's a whole other thing. We'd get way off in the woods. Way we would. Off, way off in the weeds on that one. Honestly, uh, if if you didn't say Mask of the Phantasm, I was going to try to pitch Return of the Joker, the Batman Beyond movie. I really like that one, too. That one's great, too, yeah. But part of uh, the scheme that this government agency cooks up is they need an assassin to kill Terry McGinnis's parents. And the assassin they show them hiring looks like the Phantasm. It's her. And yeah, she, she takes off the thing. It's She's like, I can't do it. And like takes off her helmet or something and it's her. So what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? Like, is that... When is that? And obviously it's, in the, it's later on because Terry... Because she's older. ...together. And he's been born, and she's older. Yeah, she they like show that she's older, but where has she been? How did she get hired by this by Cadmus? I think is the name of the government. Yeah, it's like Amanda Waller and all those people yeah. that usually do the, the skeevy government stuff in DC. Um, I was it's such a cool, awesome tip. Like, hey, remember Mask of the Phantasm? But also, like, it seems out of character for her to do anything at all, especially that. Though she does back out of it. It's like, well, this isn't right. I'm not going to kill innocent people. I think she became... Like, you know, Deadshot or someone. Well, I think... It it wouldn't be as cool, though. No, (laughs) I think the implication was that she became a contract killer, essentially. Like, maybe she would would be selective about her targets, obviously, Obviously. based off of that. 
off of that situation. But uh, she's been like, do you know about the Batman animated series comics? They're they're done in the same style and everything like that. I haven't read any of them though. She's shows up in a couple stories in there too. Um, but those are like the only other appearances she's had recently though. In the actual like main comics, they brought her in and made her a character like uh, a year or so ago. Yeah. Like I was just Andrea or is she actually a weirdo assassin Grim Reaper? They said the phantasm, but I never really looked into it further. I'm just assuming because those two characters are connected. It's the phantasms Andrea. It's gotta be her. But I, always, I don't know. They did a really good job introducing a new character and a new villain at the same time in this because normally, when something like that happens in a comic story, you're like, "Oh, it's these are that's that th- th- that person is that villain clearly because they're the two new characters." But they do a good job of making you think it's going to be like her dad or something else. Yeah, they um, do. That that was always uh, I love Long Halloween, but that was always one of my one of the few things I hated about it is it introduces that new doctor character and a new villain. And it's kind of like, Oh, I think I figured this out, but it's fine. Long Halloween is still classic. Of course. Um, I don't know. I always liked her character though. I kind of wish she would have showed up a little more later. Like once in a while, bring her in and kind of shake up Batman some, you know, Kind of like the same deal with like Talia when Talia shows up or Ray Sabul. Yeah. He gets really shook when one of them shows up. Yeah, that's, that's serious <laughs> business. Yeah, but uh, maybe now uh, she'll show up more. Um, but I've I've always liked this movie. When I first saw it, I I couldn't figure out. I mean, I was a kid anyway. I was shocked. It was like, oh my god, she's the Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> it got me. Uh, I, I part of me always wishes like I could like erase that and just try to watch it again and see if I can still figure that out or not. <laughs> but I recommend it, obviously. Yeah, of course, of course, I recommend it. Again, it's there was a there was a time when it was kind of hard to watch to track down, but now it's it's virtually anywhere. So I mean, check it. Out. Mm-hmm. You probably get it on HBO Max. It's probably on there. I it. Buy the Blu-ray like I have back here and all that stuff. What Stubbs always do next? He always he, he directs all this this crazy news. Yeah, it's news time. I do have one news article, one news thing to bring up, and it's good that it's just you and me to talk about it because Stubbs wouldn't have shit to say about this anyway. Um, <laughs> a lot of places are reporting this like it's brand new news, and it's not. You might remember we talked on the show that they uh, Sunrise was working with Netflix in part to develop a live action. live action. I saw. <laughs> And it has a director attached to it now, and I feel tentatively optimistic. It's the guy who directed Kong Skull Island, and I mm-hmm. like that movie. And it's also about a, a big thing, and the camera work in that is like fun and good and interesting. So I'm thinking that's po- that that's positive. That that made me like, okay, I think this could work. Because this when guy I, has. When I hear Netflix adaptation of beloved Japanese thing, I kind of yeah. go. I guess we're gonna do this again, and then they've done a terrible job every time. But yeah, I mean Castlevania is cool. Yeah, Castlevania is excellent. But you know. uh, 
Yeah, uh, I see what you're saying, though. That guy has experience filming movies, directing movies about big, giant things, and making it cohesive and fun. <laughs> so what are they going to do? Are they going to just tell the beginning of the Gundam story? Are they going to try to do their own thing with it? Are they going to they going to take elements of it and, like, cheat it or something? What are they going to do? I don't know. There's so much, because... I mean, you got to think the original story is like a multi-volume manga or like a 49-episode show. 52, I think. Or is it 52? Yeah, they somewhere in there. Well, 47 to 52 episodes. And one of them like a recap. So, yeah, I think you're right, actually. 49. Yeah. Uh, I know they did like movie compilations uh, where like they kind of like cut things up and... That's that tradition with the, the Gundam series. They got three movies. They did it with Zeta. I think they started to do it with Double Zeta. I don't know. Maybe they'll do... Maybe they'll look at one of those, like the first one, and they'll maybe try to follow those beats, or maybe they'll do their own thing. That's what I'd like them to do. Um, it would make sense. A good stopping point would be like when they get to the moon or when they go to Earth for the first time. Because it would be really hard to fit everything... From the beginning up to um, Jab- uh, Jaboro, whatever. Oh yeah, all, way too that much. Would, that would be really tough. It'd but be that, hard. That would be that's that's. I, I want some Earth stuff to happen, not just space stuff. So I, I don't know. Maybe they they gotta they gotta cut the moon out. They gotta cut out a bunch of a bunch of the extra crap. Yeah. Who would you cast as Shar? Who would you cast as Armoro and Shar? <laughs> Me either, because I'm sitting here. I've been sitting here thinking about that while you were talking. I'm like, man, who would they get to play them? Um, I'm trying to think of like, like B plus actors, because that's usually who they get to head up. Yeah, nobody that's like super, super well known, right. but like they're still like, oh, they've been in movies and they're a pretty good actor, yeah. I guess. They always get people like, uh, like, like a Mads Mikkelsen or something. It's like, yeah, he's famous, but he's not Leonardo DiCaprio. You know what I'm saying? Leonardo DiCaprio can be sure. No, he can't. He can just scream and yell and, and <laughs> go crazy. Yeah, you know that nuanced character who is who has who has all these like subtle schemes and stuff going on and this intricate backstory. Yeah, he can just shout the whole time. He's um, a madman. You know what? Okay, let's let's make Char a black woman and. Mm. That's fine. That, that would be fine. Make sure I'm black. That'd be cool, actually. I could, I could buy that. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Why not? <laughs> that was the only piece of news that I have collected throughout the week, though. I don't really have any news either. Oh. Re- WrestleMania came and went. Yeah, I just realized WrestleMania came and went, and we didn't even, like, say that. WrestleMania came and went. I think I watched part of it, maybe. I was at a friend's house... And wrestling was on, and it was Saturday, so that must have been what, WrestleMania, I guess. Were there people there? <laughs> what at the event? Yeah, like yeah, at there the was event on the team. Yeah. Is it? Okay. They got a lot more in there than I think than I thought they would. Yeah, I mean, they were like just kind of all, I, like I expected, like some some like ludicrous six foot kind of thing, but no, they just, there was a crowd there. I wanted to watch it just because of that, honestly, is because oh my god, thank god, there's actual people here again. 
<laughs> because I'm tired of I'm just sick of plants and the Mojo World Thunderdome shit WWE runs. I hate that. I hate that huge screen of people in their webcams. I just think it looks bad. That's what I'm talking about. That, yeah. And they do the piped-in crowd noise, so now they get the crowd reactions they always wanted. They wanted, yeah. This is what we scripted. Yeah. <laughs> but I need to, like... Peacock sucks in terms of how it works. The functionality is god-awful. And I can't understand... I still can't wrap my head around that. How you put up a new streaming app. This isn't new. People have been doing this for over 10 years now. How do you put out a new streaming app and you can't pause, you can't fast forward, you can't rewind? That's I want to, to like reinvent the wheel and shit. Just rip off what works. That's stupid. Like how did that, well, that would be like, guys, we, we made a new alpha VHS. Guess what? You can't r- pause it or rewind it or fast forward it. When it's done playing, the tape just eats itself and you're done. Like <laughs> that was almost a thing. There are DVDs that came out from a <laughs> rental service in the 2000s that self-destructed after you watched them. Are you serious? I'm serious, look it up. It's weird. I can't remember what they're called. They failed, though. Thank God. Of course they did. Oh my God! But yeah, I, I just ugh. I'm gonna have to try to make myself watch it and get aggravated with Peacock, I guess. I like I said, it was on and I was falling asleep. So that, you must have had a few drink skis. <laughs> were, you, were you tired, or were you having? You had too many drink skis. Uh, I was tired. I'd only had two beers. Okay. I had, I had worked that day, and we had just... Oh, I completely forgot I played a fuck ton of arcade games. I didn't say that in the... Uh, what I've been doing. I beat um, Dungeons & Dragons Tower of Doom, which is a badass Oh, game. great. Great game. Yeah. I played that, and uh, it's funny, because everyone else was playing brand new games. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. This thing's got a trackball, and I played Missile Command. <laughs> oh, well, I wonder if that, uh, that Sonic game's on there, the one you control with the trackball. I couldn't find it. <clears throat> yeah, that, that was, I did that immediately. I was like, oh boy, is that on there? But that's not. Damn. Well, that sounds like a good old time. Well, anyway, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, you can listen to Big Trouble in Little Podcast anywhere that uh, podcasts are, pretty much. Uh, whatever Apple's got going on, and whatever Google's got going on, and podcast, blank, the app, whatever. This is, uh, Dub's the one with the script. You, you can you can listen to us anywhere. Thanks thanks for listening. Uh, uh, next week we are gonna finally watch Batman and Robin, so don't miss that for sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that one's gonna be pretty outrageous. It's gonna be great. Alrighty, thanks for listening. Stay cool, bird boys. There. Stop. Stop. Okay, good. <laughs>